Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I went and sat down, there weren't many out there, but it's much better now. I should sit down more, maybe. Um, nonetheless, we are we are here together. And um, I'd like to talk about the righteousness of God apart from the law, which is a scriptural phrase, has a lot of meaning. We don't think uh, too much about the law, but uh, certainly the people 2,000 years ago did in a way of the Jewish, um, the Jewish uh, kingdom and covenant people of that time. And this is all part of the Jewish Messiah. As he came into the world, he changed the structure of everything to do with man in this world. That's why this is such an important thing. Um, I want to read uh, from Romans 3 to start with before I even go any further in my introduction. Romans 3, 21 and 22. Says this. But now, without law, righteousness of God is manifested, born witness to by the law and the prophets, righteousness of God through faith of Jesus Christ, or in Jesus Christ, towards all and upon all those who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And on it goes in that vein. And then on uh, in, um, in Romans chapter um, uh, in Romans 13:10, I want to share a verse. I believe it's 13:10, if I wrote it down right. Love works no ill to its neighbor. Love, therefore, is the whole law. Now we have to understand these things in light of Jesus himself, because Jesus brought an end to the law and regulations of the Jewish covenant people through the church, through the new, uh, the new covenant. And then again in uh, chapter 10, verse 4, I'm just picking some verses out that, that go with uh, what I'm saying here today. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Can we put all that together? Does it, does it mean the law is bad and it was a horrible thing? No, it's not what it says. 
It's a, it's a change of covenant. It's a change of, of the testimony, uh, the covenant having regulations. The new covenant also has its um, teachings. The apostolic principles of the new covenant from Jesus, the Messiah himself, for mankind. So we're going to be looking at this. Uh, in this series of lessons, we're going to clearly see God's plan of redemption for mankind through the faith in Jesus, the Messiah. It's not just our faith. It's the faith. The faith that is all of Christianity. The faith being the way to Christ. Matter of fact, the whole concept means the way. And those that first followers of Christ were called the way to start with. And later on they became Christians. Now, in way of a time timeline on this, you know, time the timeline is important when it when it has to do with covenants. And we know that the covenant was given to the Jews in the desert. It was administered through angels through the work of Moses about 1499 B.C. That's a really accurate date. It was delivered on Pentecost at that time to, to the Jewish people. Um, and we have, uh, we have another situation as far as the New Covenant. The New Covenant was, was brought upon the scene in, in Acts chapter 2, A.D. 31, on on, on, the, uh, on Pentecost of that day, of that year. There's only one Pentecost every year, 50 days after the Passover. So this is, this is an arrangement. Starts, our, our covenant starts in AD 31 on Pentecost. <coughs> now this gave me a couple more dates here. Paul's conversion, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, the best I can figure was around 32 or 33 A.D. Shortly, to about two years, maybe even up to three years after Pentecost, but not any further, what came Saul's conversion. But you see, he wasn't preaching to the Gentiles then. He was preaching to the Jews because the, 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 the promise of Christ was to the Jews only at that time. He understood that, being a Jew himself. And that's what was happening in those days, 32 and 33 A.D. And then thirdly, of, of what we're going to be discussing here from the Scriptures, the Gentiles receive the gospel. And the best dating we can give this is sometime between 38 and 40 A.D. Uh, so some years after... Uh, seven to eight years after the Jewish covenant people were, were, were uh, delivered the message of salvation and the new covenant, these things came to pass. Now, how is it that these things come to pass in these dates? This is not of man's own doing. This wasn't good preaching or lax preaching or this or that from men. All of these things came about by the, the will of God 
by something that happened nearly, well, miraculously from heaven, as far as Saul's concerned, as far as, as the Gentiles re- receiving the gospel, it's a vision from heaven. The, this is the workings of God. These dates and this time, uh, this time frame, the distance of why did he wait so long, that isn't a question we can ask. Not, that's not necessary for us to know. There's a reason. In the fullness of time, God's fullness, not ours, you know, the fullness of my time comes really short when I want to do something. Matter of fact, it's so short sometimes it probably should have happened the day before. That's how I do it. But my fullness of time is not really uh, based on real good knowledge. God says. Now, if you want another date a little later on, the Jerusalem Council, when, when uh, Paul and, and Barnabas came to, back to Jerusalem to discuss a, a big problem concerning the Judaizers with the apostles there in, in Jerusalem. That happened in AD 49. You read about it in Galatians chapter 2 and Acts 15. But there's a pivotal point I want to look at today um, through these, these lessons here uh, in, as far as the Gentile age goes. And it's in Acts chapter 11, Acts 11, I don't think I wrote this in the outline. Acts 11, verse 19. Okay. Now, this this occurrence happens right after uh, what I'm going to be talking about during the lesson today, starting to talk about it. I'm not going to be able to get through it all. But this happened right after the return of Peter. From his trip, he'd been gone for some long time. Um, and at the return of his trip, he explained something to the Jewish people there. And it was that the Gentiles had received the gospel by the will of God. So what was happening? I'm going to read uh, verse 19 through 26, because <clears throat> this to me is a very pivotal thing that happens. Then they who had been scattered abroad through the tribulations that, that took place on the occasion of Stephen, remember Stephen's martyrdom. Well, at that point, the Christians fled Jerusalem, and the only ones left there were the apostles themselves. There could have been a few others, uh, such as the uh, even the uh, seven uh, men that were selected to help the apostles, even they went to different places preaching. But this is what was happening with these people out there. Those people that left Jerusalem uh, right after the stoning of Stephen passed through the country to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. That's a large area. Speaking the word to no one but to the Jews alone. This mixing of the whole thing is not a good thing. We need to understand. There was a point when it, was, it happened, and that point came about not by men, not by their preaching, not by their, by their abilities, but on God's authority alone. They were preaching to the Jews only, and that was what they should have been doing. 
But there were certain of them, Crispus and uh, uh, Cryrians, who entered into Antioch and spoke to the Greeks also, announcing the glad tidings of the Lord Jesus and the Lord's hand. Now apparently this happened about the same time as Paul was starting to speak to the Gentiles and uh, Peter had already accomplished his work. Uh, So this was something that happened about the same time. There's no way to tell uh, on dates here, but it had to be about the same time. And the Lord's hand was with them. Now that answers it. If the Lord's hand was with them as they were speaking, we know that it was the covenant had been opened to the Gentiles in that way. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And the report concerning them reached the ears of the assembly, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go through as far as Antioch, who having arrived and seen the grace of God rejoiced and exhorted all with, with the purpose of heart to abide with the Lord. For he, that is Barnabas, was a good man and full of the, the spirit of holiness and of faith. And a large crowd of, of people apparently were added to the Lord. And he went away to Tarsus to seek out Saul, and having found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was with them. So Saul and and Barnabas went back to Antioch, where they spent a whole year there gathering together with the assembly and taught a large crowd. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And there we had a group in Antioch of both Jews and Gentiles being taught by Barnabas and Saul, the, the apostle that had been designated for the Gentiles by the Lord himself. Now, that was, that's a pivotal point that we find from this point on. We find the preaching of the gospel um, still preaching to the Jews, Jews first, then the Gentiles. That was the apostolic mission. When you go to a new place, you find the Jews and you deliver the message of Christ, the Messiah. And then you can move on to the rest, to those that will listen. And that's exactly what happened. But I want to go back now just a little from what I've just been reading back to what Peter was doing. He was, a part, he was away from Jerusalem. He was spending time on the coast in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. And he had been over there in, in those cities doing great things, preaching the gospel to the Jews, healing, uh, bringing those back to life, uh, the things that he was doing um, was the work of the apostle. He was spending time there. But during that very time, there was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And that's, this is Acts chapter 10. This is where the account starts. Cornelius was a man well-loved by the Jewish people of um, Caesarea. 
Caesarea is a city just up the coast from Joppa, where Peter was. Quite quite a distance to walk, but uh, takes a couple days, two or three days. Um, but he was up the coast, and he was a worshiper of the God of the Jews, the one true God, as he was known. You know, we have trouble today with people believing in the one true God, but nonetheless, this is what he was doing. He was a Roman centurion. He was uh, a soldier in that city. He was responsible for a hundred uh, Roman soldiers. That was his job. He was under the probably the tribune of the, of a region there. But we know that he was well loved. He was a lover of God. He was a pious man. Here's what it says. Let's just read the first eight verses. But a certain man in Caesarea, by name of Cornelius, a centurion of the band called Italic, pious, and fearing God with all his house. Now that's saying a lot because his house was had a lot of people in it. Both giving much alms to the people and sup and uh, supplicating God continually, saw plainly in a vision about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming unto him and saying to him, Cornelius, but he having fixed his eyes upon him and becoming full of fear said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thy alms have gone up for a memorial before God. And now, send men to Joppa and fetch Simon, who is surnamed Peter. He lodges with a certain Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who was speaking to him had departed, having called two of his household and a pious soldier, of those who were constantly with him and related all things to them, and he sent them to Joppa. To do what? To bring Simon back. That's what the, the, the message was. All right? Now, this man was a devout Gentile towards God. Some would think this is an impossibility, but it, but it was possible was Cornelius a devout Gentile towards God before God opened the, the, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God over to the Gentiles? He was. And he wasn't the only one. There were those in his household, even one of his soldiers, at least one, the one that he sent with his household servants, three of them went. All because of what? Was this his idea or was, did it come because of God had caused a vision and sent one of his angels to speak to Cornelius? And he believed the angel. He believed this message from God. Which is going to bring us to another person that's going to have a vision. This is how God deals with these incredibly I mean, this was not even thought of. The Jews, the, the apostles, didn't, they didn't know that this was going to happen like this. Or when was it going to happen? 
It already had been a number of years. But now it was happening. So let's move on to the next thing, the vision of the Apostle Peter. Yes, the Apostle was going to have a vision too. And it was going to be hard for him to deal with this vision, but he did. And this, this to me is how I think we should, uh, you know, we have our, our faith, we have our belief, we have our understanding. We think we know everything about the church and, and God, you know. But there comes a time sometimes when we have to change our mind because the scriptures teach us in a better way, a more accurate way. And if we find that Scripture is disagreeing with, with what we have always been taught, we better be willing to change. We're going to find that Peter struggles with this concept. But there's good reason for it. But it's a wonderful illustration to us. You know, we people sometimes, you know, aren't, we have a loyalty thing that is very, very strong. And we want to be loyal to people. We want to be loyal to what they taught us. But we have to understand that neither we nor them are really always going to know everything. And we can make a mistake. Or we cannot include something. Or we could add something that should not be added. Nonetheless, let's read what happened. Nine, verse 9 through 16. And on the morrow, that is the next day, and these were journeying, uh, and these that Cornelius sent, and they were drawing near to the city. Peter went up on the house to pray about the sixth hour. And he became hungry and desired to eat. But as they were making ready, an ecstasy came upon him. In other words, a, a vision. And he beholds the heaven opened. And a certain vessel descending as a great sheet, bound by the four corners and let down to earth, in which all of the quadrupeds and creeping things of the earth and the fowls of heaven. And there was a voice to him, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter said, In no wise, that means no, no. That's the strongest no there is in the language. No, no, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. What are we going back to? The Jewish food regulations. He was obedient to the scriptures in these things. Can you see something like this? This is hard to do, isn't it? Have you ever tried to teach a relative about baptism? This is where you'll find this, right here. That's not what they were taught. So you're wrong. Somehow the scripture's got to come in the middle of this, this talk, right? This discussion. But, but a lot of times it blows up before you ever get to open your Bible. All right? This is what's happening to Peter. And I think this is incredible. Is he disobeying the Lord? No, he's, 
he's struggling in his mind. This is unclean food. I can't kill and eat. And there was a voice again, the second time to him. What God has cleansed, do not thou make common. Now that was a good word. But you see, our voice isn't quite that powerful. But the voice from heaven is. And this took place thrice. And the vessel was straightway taken up into the heaven. And as Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold also the men who were sent by Cornelius, having sought out the house of Simon, stood at the gate. And having called someone, they inquired if Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodging there. And we'll stop right there. Peter had a very strong Jewish foundation, as many people did, especially the apostles and and so many others. This was a, a real hard thing for him to understand. Why would God do that? Bring down these animals like this to slay and eat as though he should. It violated the Jewish laws. But you see, God was making a point. When I say to slay and eat this animal, you can and you will. I have made it clean. Remember, it was God himself who made the animals unclean to start with, those certain categories. He, he changed. He changed it. To make a point to, to Peter that we're going to find out about. Now, I, wanna, I just want to emphasize this because, friends, this is something that real that happens to us and it happens to other people around us. And sometimes when you're talking about the truth of Scripture, you're going to run into a brick wall that's going to seem like it's never going to change. And it might not. But then again, if the, if the scriptures are, are going to be looked at, studied, and given the proper credit for what they are and who and where they came from, then we can change our mind if the scripture approves what it is that we're dealing with. The Apostle Paul, I said it in my class this morning, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth because they were a fighting bunch. They had all kinds of disagreements, this, that, and another thing. He didn't tell them, the ones that are right, you pick up your bags and get out and go build another building somewhere. That's not what he said. No, that's what we do. That's not what he said. He said, you come together and discuss these things, and if you do so according to the teaching of the apostles, the ones that are approved of God, in other words, the side or the decision that is approved by God will be clearly seen. And if we can always come together in the Scripture in that way, then we will have the same thing happen to us. The truth will be clearly seen, those that were Promoting the truth will also be recognized, uh, and and but we'll have we'll have communion one again, once again with everyone in the truth. It's not our truth; it's God's truth. All right.
I'm going to read just one more section, and then we'll dismiss for today. I'm just getting going on this. And I want you to understand, his foundation was strong. The workings of God through men. That's the second, the third point, actually. Let's just read it quickly. It's uh, through verse 23. But as Peter continued pondering over the vision, the Spirit said to him, the Spirit, this is not, uh, you look at the passage here, you don't want to add any words to this. The Spirit, the Spirit of, of the messenger, the Spirit from, coming from heaven, out of heaven, said to him, Behold, three men seek thee, but rise up and go down and go with them, nothing doubting, because I have sent them. Now, who do you suppose I is? Isn't this the, 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 the will of God himself? He sent these men to Peter for a reason. And Peter, going down to the men, said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause for which you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, and fearing God, and bore witness to to by the whole nation of the Jews, has been divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for thee to his house and hear words from thee. By the way, that word there, uh, word, words is not logos, but the Greek word rima, which is a little different. It has to do with the, the, the actual word of. God, the scriptures, if you will, in this case. The, the words of the apostles are the word of God. That's what they were asking, that he come with them and, and, and bring to the house of Cornelius his words from thee. Having therefore invited them in, he lodged with them, and on the morrow rising up, he went away with them, and certain of the brethren from Joppa went with him. We'll stop there today. Peter obeys God. So many things were happening here. This vision of the unclean animals. And then the Spirit speaking from heaven, telling him to go down. There's three men waiting. All of these things he knows is from God. You know, the house of Simon the Tanner was a home, uh, was a Jewish home. Gentiles did not come into that home and, and, and stay. That just wasn't done. They would never have done it, but it happened this time because Peter knows that this is the will of God. So we're finding that the covenant issue of the of the Jews and now God's new covenant in Christ is going to be changing and we'll look at it next week picking it up there as to what happens uh, when they when they leave the next day and then the things following so uh, hopefully uh, there's there's a lot of points within this that I'm going to emphasize such as 
getting new information. <laughs> There's a lot of new information in this Bible, friends, that most Christians have never seen. They've never been there. It wasn't part of the study or no one read it to them or uh, they didn't read it themselves. There's a lot there. Uh, Reading through the Bible is a wonderful thing to do. uh, And I encourage everyone to do so. Uh, That's where it starts because your first readings are more what they call a cursory reading. And the next time you read it, you read it differently. And eventually, hopefully, we're reading it resistantly so we're getting... The, the impact of the truth of what we're reading. Not that the words change, but that our understanding becomes better and better. And this is what's happening. And I just wanted to point out what happened to Peter because we have to be willing to change our ways if the scriptures are teaching us to do so. Um, and that, that has lots of different... Uh, different opportunities in the lives that we live, you know. It may be five years, ten years, or 70 or 80 years. We're always learning, it seems. So with that, I'll leave you until next week for this. And as we join together this morning and uh, sing this song of invitation and consideration, it is good to sing thy praises. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.